Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well, then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Brain Foreplay and your Mental Monday, where you get your checkup from the neck up. Think about that, people. The checkup from the neck up on your Mental Monday. We often talking about getting your checkup from the neck up is because if your mental side of your game, no matter what you do, athlete, business, mom and dad, whatever you do, if your mental side is not to your potential, the neck down will never reach its potential. So I'm Dr. Rick Perea, PhD, psychologist, performance psychologist here at Think One in the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. Today, my topic is, is a really passionate one, both on my side of the aisle when I help my clients here at Think One, or whether I'm talking FaceTime, Zoom internationally with my pro athletes overseas or locally here in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. By the way, I'm also doing a lot of speaking engagements with organizations. So if you need someone to ignite your organization, check me out. So yesterday I'm meeting with a client. Here's the organic piece of this, people. I'm meeting with a client yesterday. And he happened to be an adolescent athlete. And adolescence, by the way, is defined by 10 and a half to 24 and a half. The prefrontal cortex of the brain does not stop developing till 24 and a half years of age in males around the age of 25 in females. Okay. So talking to this client and as we're getting ready to leave, um, he said, Dr. P, he says, what, what, when's your next podcast? And I said, well, it's coming up on Mental Monday. And um, he says, I got a topic for you. Now, you got to remember, he's 15 years old, athlete. And he said to me, how about parents who get over-involved with their athlete? And I looked at him and I said, that's a delicious topic. In fact, I am begin- in the beginning stages of writing a book going to call it, be called the parent handbook for performers some somewhere along that level and the reason i'm going to write a book about it and the reason we're going to talk about it today is because i see so many parents in my practice in my in my presentations and what i do i see them make mistakes that literally handicap their own child in in sport or performance and when i say performance i mean in all areas it can be they're a band member. They're, they're a theater participant. Academics. But this particular client of mine said, you know, I think it's a really important topic. Because I think he's come to realize that his parents may be a little over-involved. And so I want to take time today and define what that looks like because it may be you. And I want to start with saying this. I have never met a parent. I have never met a parent, and I've worked with a lot of parents and families in performance psychology, 
And I can tell you this, I've never met a parent that wakes up in the morning and says, how do I screw up my kid today? How can I do that? <laughs> they don't have a goal to do that. Nobody does. But guess what we do? Invariably, we do. We can cause harm, shame, embarrassment to our athletes without even realizing it. And so here at Think One, where you get your checkup from the neck up, I have what are called these protocol cards. And I'm holding up a parent pr protocol card. And I'm going to go bullet by bullet, and I'm going to give you some tips today of how to handle yourself because it's so important to understand we want to give our children the maximum opportunity, not just in sports, but academics, extracurricular activities to reach their potential. I mean, here, here's some of the statistics, and I'm paraphrasing, so they're not exactly to the number, but around 18 million kids play sports at the age of 12 in the United States. By the time they're 18, it's down to 9 to 10 million kids. Now, there's some natural attrition because people just say, you know, this is not my sport. I'm not fast enough, big enough. I don't enjoy it. But when we dig deeper into the research, we find that the reason a lot of adolescents leave sport is because of dissatisfaction in their relationship with their parents within that sport or, and or their coaches. So this message is for you coaches out there too who are coaching these youth because make sure that you're doing everything you can to build kids every day. Not break them down, but build them every day. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Okay, so let's get started with these tips that I want to tell you. I'm going to hit them straight, right between the eyes. And if the shoe fits people, parents out there, wear it. Because I'm going to tell you something. I have parented a Division I athlete, okay? I have, as in past tense, she's done with her career. But I'm also raising these three boys. I got another one who just started last week playing college football. I got a sophomore in high school, and I got an eighth grader. And all three of my boys play football. And as some of you know, my background, I played as well. I was an undrafted free agent with the Broncos. In 1983, I was a rookie. And so I've been around the game. I've coached high school football off and on for 18 years. I've been a coach. I've been a player and a psychologist in the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. Come visit our website. Visit our website at thinkone4u.org. Let me tell you something, people. The number one mistake that parents make with their adolescent performers, athletes, instrument players, any kind of performer, theater, whatever it may be, dance, I see is they can get over-involved thinking that they can motivate their kids. We call that extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation doesn't last over time. It, it won't last in duration because it's fueled by external forces, coaches, parents, girlfriends, boyfriends, rewards. <laughs> I've had parents tell me, you know what? I promised my kid a pair of Air Jordans if he scared, scored a touchdown. What? No, that's not how you motivate an adolescent athlete. 
What we really want to do is we want to provide intrinsic motivation. And that's what we call internal motivation. And the only way that intrinsic motivation can be cultivated and developed in an adolescent performer is to allow them to own their experience. I have a pie chart that will show you the division of motivation. And it's a pie chart that will really tell you when people come in to see me, parents slash coaches own most of the motivation. And then when they're done with our program, our 16-week program, the motivation is owned by the athlete, by the performer, which is the way it should be. Because you know what? All of us as parents can kick a can down the road. And you kick it, it goes a little further. Kick it, it goes a little further. Kick it, and goes a little further. We don't want to kick a can down the road, people. We want our adolescents, our kids, to be intrinsically motivated. And these tips are going to be how we get you there. Number one, reward process, not outcome. Reward process, not outcome. Let me give you an example. So if you have a child who's a basketball player, for example, outcome is points, rebounds, steals, assists, all of those things. That's outcome, okay? And one of the worst things we can do is after our our, our athlete plays a game. Let's say she gets 16 points, nine rebounds, three steals. Great game, right? And we go up to her and we say, hey, honey, great game. Great game. Wow, 16 points. That's amazing. Love loved those steals. You were just all over the floor. Well, you just rewarded outcome. And so now what her brain does with that is, oh, man, when I score points, when I get rebounds, when I get steals, I get a lot of love. I get a lot of love from mom and dad, my boyfriend, whoever it is. So she internalizes that. But if she has that same score sheet and we walk up and say, outstanding effort today, outstanding energy, and you had a great attitude, loved watching you play. Loved watching you play. You just rewarded process. Effort, energy, and attitude, those are three things we can control all day long. I have 100% control over my effort, my energy, and my attitude every day. And those are the things you reward is process. In a basketball player, process is footwork, technique, seeing the floor, dribbling, the things that you can control, people. And here's why it works better. When an athlete, when a performer knows they can control something, guess what happens with anxiety? Yep, it goes down. And when it goes down, it keeps them on the parasympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system. And you're seeing on your screen right now the card of the autonomic nervous system. When we focus on outcome, Points, rebounds, steals. Let's say I'm into the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, I only have four points. I only have one rebound, no steals. I'm going to press. I'm going to push for that outcome. And you know what happens then? That's not good. When we focus on outcome people, we're actually, we, the, we can't control outcome. 
You know, I heard a parent say one time to their son in football, son, you better catch at least five balls tonight because you're not going to get recruited. He's a tight end, quasi-tight end, the new flex tight ends. Well, how is he going to catch five balls, Dad, if they don't even throw him the ball and they run the ball 50 times out of 72 snaps in a game? Come on, people. Don't put these unreal expectations on our kids. So now this kid goes into the game going, dang, I got to catch five balls. How am I going to catch five balls? They're not, they've only targeted me twice. Caught one. And then, and then the parent further after the game is like, son, how come they're not throwing you the ball? Don't ask him that. He's not the coach. He doesn't make those decisions. You're putting an adult question onto an adolescent performer. People, one of the worst things we can do. And then, then the kids internalize that with stress and anxiety. We can't do that. So when we reward process, we reward things they know they can control. And when they know they can control, anxiety goes down. They're on the parasympathetic. When they're focused on outcome, points, steals, rebounds, they don't have 100% control of that. So guess what happens with anxiety? It goes up. And when anxiety goes up, now we're on the sympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system. And as you see on your screen, that's not good. Heart rate's up. Respiration's up. Muscle tension. As a basketball player, do you want muscle tension? Absolutely not. When you're on the sympathetic side, your thinking is not clear. Do you want that in any sport, in any performance? Absolutely not. So we've got to understand reward process, not outcome, as you see on the card. Number two, always talk positive about the team and or coaches. Always. If you have nothing positive to say, don't do it, people. Don't do it. Because what happens is if you talk negative about your coaches, if you talk negative about the team, you have just given your performer the green light to insubordinate them. So you're, you're harming your own child. Because when they insubordinate their own coach, they're not going to be all in emotionally, psychologically much less physiologically. Hey, people, I get it. Again, a daughter who was a Division I athlete, Arizona State, three boys who are now playing football, I get it. There's some really average coaches out there. And I've been a coach. There's some very average coaches out there. And sometimes poor coaches. You know, I've always said, this is my philosophy, I don't care what you know. I don't care what, you know, when they get to the college level, they're going to get taught footwork technique, all that stuff they need to know. I just say, don't harm the kid. Don't teach him wrong technique. Heck, if you don't know it, tell people. Just say, I don't know it. I'm here to just motivate kids, inspire them. But don't pretend you know footwork and technique when you don't. Okay? But I've had situations where I knew my kids weren't getting coached great it's just the reality especially when dads coach teams uh uh that can be painful to watch but you know what don't talk negative say you know what your coach is doing the best they can hey just keep working effort energy attitude process 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 and you talk to your adolescent athlete about process we teach that we preach that the top top teams in the world focus on process people 
Process is what gets you to outcome. You can have outcome goals, but don't focus on it. Put it in a shoebox, put it away. Focus on process every day. Your mental preparation, your footwork, your technique, playing the piano, playing the instrument, the practice, that's process. Outcomes coming either way. Don't focus on it because it'll take you on the wrong side of the autonomic nervous system and make you anxious. But as parents, talk positively about the team and our coaches. Bite your tongue when you want to say something negative about the coaches. Hey, they're out there working. They're out there doing their best. I can tell you this. When I was a high school football coach, we had 18 coaches from freshman level through varsity. And I can tell you this. There was maybe two coaches that really saw the field and understood everything. That's the reality, people. Come on, let's be honest. That's the reality. There's other coaches that are good at this, this, this. But they're out there doing their best. Help, help support them. And don't handicap your own kid by giving them the green light to insubordinate that coach. Because when they're at practice, in their mind, they'll be like, man, this coach is not that good. My, I, my dad even said so. My mom even said so. And then they don't listen to them. They don't drink their Kool-Aid like they should. So that player will not perform to their potential. Number three. The ride home, <laughs> the ride home from a game, from a concert, whatever it may be. How many times has the ride home turned into something not very good, an argument, a dispute, a flat-out fight? I've seen times when kids will get out of a car, slam the door, and refuse to drive home with their parents. Refuse. Because the ride home can sounds something like this. Let's say the let's let's say it's an athlete, they get in the car and they didn't particularly have a great game. Female soccer player, let's say. And it's mom driving and it's real quiet in the car. They lost their game. And then after about two minutes the mom says, How'd you think you played today? Well, the athlete's already feeling down feeling like maybe they didn't perform to their potential they lost the game and then you're gonna pile how do you feel like you played and she says you know what mom i don't want to talk about it and then the mom says you know it didn't look like you were really busting your butt out there today didn't really look like you were really into it is there something going on now okay so now what you have is an adolescent athlete that's on the sympathetic side of their autonomic Heart rate's up, respiration's up, stress is up. And now you're asking them to, to relive something and tell them. They know how they played. Trust me. Every single adolescent athlete out there knows when they get in that car for the ride home, they know how they played. Okay? You don't have to tell them. Their coach may have already went over that with them. And then you're going to add another layer. So don't ask them those questions. Let them be the one to initiate the conversation with you. Because when we say, you know, it didn't look like you gave full effort today. They know that already, invariably. We do not want to pile more on their plate when they're already in that sympathetic side, not feeling good about themselves. And then we talk, we ask them a question. Well, how come your coach is playing Betty Lou at forward? Don't ask her questions about the coach's decisions. She doesn't know. She's a player. Okay? 
we've really got to understand we're postulating an adult question to an adolescent athlete. That's a recipe for anxiety. And if the adolescent athlete thinks every time they get in the car, they're going to be peppered with questions, especially when they didn't play so well, especially when they lose, they're not going to ride home with you anymore. And people, I'm telling you, there's a reason why that client of mine yesterday said, I got a topic for you, Dr. P. I got a topic for you. And there's a reason I'm writing a book about it, because I see so many parents make mistakes. Now, parents come from a good place. They're like just trying to ask and find out. But you know what? Let your kid own it. Like I said, the pie chart. You see it again right there. The pie chart will, you, we want the athlete to own the motivation. We study this in psychology, people, performance psychology. We study this. And I got to tell you, got to tell you, we want them to be internally, intrinsically motivated, and they have to own their successes. They have to own their failures. It has to be their experience. Growing up, I played football. I started playing football at 12 years old, high school football, college football, and uh, two years in the NFL. Let me say something, people. To the people, the people, the people. My parents didn't know diddly squat about football. They didn't know the difference between football and tortillas, okay? And I got to tell you, that was the greatest thing that happened to me because they didn't sit there and ask me, didn't look like you gave full effort today. They didn't know if I gave full effort. They just went out there and saw and watched me play. They didn't ask me if I was going to the gym. They didn't ask me if I was drinking my protein powder because they didn't even know that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And guess what? Invariably, I was the most driven player on my teams. My college coaches told me, they said, if every player prepared like you in summer, fall camp would be all about execution and not getting people in shape. People, I worked my butt off in everything I do, and I still do that to this day. But talk positive about coaches and teams. Ride home. Make sure that ride home is a soft landing place for them. If they didn't play well, be a soft landing place. Don't pile on. Don't ask more questions. If they come to you and say, hey, how do you think I played? Keep it process-oriented, not outcome. Loved watching you play. Hey, keep giving great effort. Keep working. It'll come. It'll come. The next one. <clears throat> If you have a blended family, we have the divorce rate in the United States is somewhere around 58%. And so that's more people than not that are, that are in a blended family. Really work hard at being on the same page. Because as if there's different objectives and goals in those families, that's going to tear at the kid. Sit down with your co-parent and say, look, let's do our very best to be on the same page. Because if my standards are here and your standards are here, that's a conflicting message. That's going to screw with their motivation. That intrinsic motivation, expectations need to be consistent between two parents. They don't have to be identical, but they have to be consistent. There needs to be structure. There needs to be accountability in the home. There needs to be a clear line of communication. And so with blended families especially, but with Nuclear intact families, if you will. We've also got to be consistent and communicate so those standards and those messages are getting communicated 
to our performers in a very, very clear way. And then the, I'll finish up by saying this. We have got to understand that we're the primary role model for our performers. They see us every morning. They see us afternoons, after school, evenings. What you do will speak volumes and, and have more of an influence on our performers' communication styles, listening styles, and intrinsic or extrinsic performance. If you think you can live one way and bring up an intrinsically motivated athlete when you're extrinsically motivated, it's not going to happen, people. you got to model what you do. This is a chance for me to not necessarily brag, but just state facts. My son that just graduated from Cherry Creek High School in Denver broke the all-time squat record there. That school's been open, I think, 68 years. He didn't break it because he's a genetic freak. He broke it because of his work ethic. But I will say this. They see me. Well, they, they don't see me leave because I leave at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym every day. Every day, people. Okay? And I get back at 6 a.m. That's when they're getting up. They watch their dad do that every day. That's modeling. I'm not saying look at me. I'm great me. But I'm just saying that's what modeling does. You don't tell your kid, hey, go to the gym. Hey, drink protein powder. And you're not going to the gym or you're not exercising in some way, people be a model for the behavior you want in your adolescent performer. My, my rising sophomore, he'll be a sophomore next week, in fact, at Cherry Creek High School. He squatted 500 pounds as a freshman. Again, not because he's a genetic freak, but because of his work ethic. And then I got my eighth grader sitting right here, Drakey, the achy Drakey heart, what we call him. He's in the gym with his big brothers. Every, every, every day. And he's, he's building, he's building, you know, he's the wolf climbing the hill, always working. People, all I'm saying today is, I'm not saying your kids have to become all Americans, have to be the best on the team, have to be the best academic, 4.6 GPA. I graduated high school with a friggin' 2.9 GPA, and I have a PhD, people. It's doable. Don't freak out, parents. They don't have to go to this school, that school, this GPA to always have success. Let's be real, okay? And let's be real with our kids by loving them, rewarding process, understanding the difference between process and outcome goals, understanding the ride home, what, that, what that's about, understanding that we have to be a soft landing place, a loving place for our adolescents, and then really modeling a lifestyle that we want for our children to go forward. People, we have 100% control over three things every day. 100% control over three things, no matter what happens to you in your life. Effort, that's at a specific task. Energy, it's like, yeah, baby, let's go. Energy, positive. An attitude, your mindset. You get to choose your mindset every day. How are you going to show up? I don't care if you get in an automobile accident on a Monday morning on the way to work. You get to shape your thoughts. Or else those thoughts are going to shape you. And I'll end today's podcast by saying this, people. You see right here to the right my book, Decision Point, The Moment Leaders Are Born. It talks about trauma and tragedy and how you can turn that into beauty. 
My brother was murdered when I was seven years old and he was 18. Statistics show when you are when you are a victim of murder in your immediate family, you will either perpetrate or be another victim of murder sometime in your life. You can take a left turn instead of right turn. A lot of people take left turns. People, I've chosen to go right. I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you what, I wake up every day and I give full effort, great energy, and have a great attitude. That's a choice with my trauma. There's five stories in that book about trauma, tragedy of people that overcome things like suicide, cancer, murder. People, we get to choose. Build a beautiful relationship with your adolescent performer. Don't hamper it. I know a Hall of Fame player. I won't even mention what sport. won't even mention who it is, obviously. Their son is 35 years old now, and they don't even have a relationship with him because of this kind of stuff, rewarding outcome instead of process. They didn't know. They were a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they didn't know. That's why I'm writing this handbook for parent perform parents of performers. People, I love you, trust you, and believe you, believe in you. I will say this. You can get your podcast here at Brain Foreplay, where you get your checkup from the neck up on Mental Mondays. Go out and love 10 people today, people. I love you. Don't forget to join us next week, same place, same time, to get your checkup from the neck up. Fortified by Foreplay. That's Brain Foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.